Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 169 of the podcast. It's the 27th of March, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, Alicia Gonzalez-Lopez joins me to talk about her de-schooling journey. We dive into how she discovered unschooling, the emotional healing that's happened for her, what she's found challenging along the way, connecting with our kids, what has surprised her the most, and lots more. As a personal update, spring enrollment for the Childhood Redefined Online Unschooling Summit opens on Monday. That's April 1st. Together, Anne Oman, Anna Brown, and I have more than 40 years of unschooling experience, and we have poured our souls into this project. And what's wonderful about it is that we focus on your journey to cultivating a joyful, thriving, unschooling energy in your family. That's important because our children are not your children, and our life experiences are not yours either. So that's why we're not simply sharing a map and expecting you to follow in our footsteps. Instead, we're holding up a lantern and walking alongside you, sharing our stories and insights helping to light your path as you do the deep personal work that is necessary to peel away the layers of conventional expectations that can so often trip us up along the way. Ellie joined us the first time we opened the summit online, and that was back in the fall of 2017. And she recently shared the impact that decision has had in their lives. She said, I have loved the Childhood Redefined Summit. I have grown in the deepest ways as a result of the sessions, in ways that are so necessary to do unschooling well, and all at my own pace right at home. I was raised in a very controlling family, and I am so proud of how much I have grown into the parent I want to be. I am staying calm, being more present, and living with more joy than I had ever imagined was possible. My daughter feels loved, is happy, and thrives as she follows her heart. Anne, Pam, and Anna are so gentle, loving, and experienced that I feel safe to be vulnerable, to make leaps, to trust in my own journey. If I am struggling with something in our unschooling, I go back and listen to the summit, and I am able to quickly get back in the flow with my child. The Facebook group has been wonderful. I appreciate the feedback to my own and others' questions. Now, more often than not, if I'm struggling with something, I only have to start composing a question and Pam, Ann, and Anna's words pop up into my head. I was a little nervous to take the leap of paying money for this, but it it has been worth it a thousand times over. I am so grateful for the wonderful growth in our family's happiness. Thank you. (laughs) And thanks so much to you, Ellie, too. As I mentioned, Enrollment opens on Monday, April 1st, and will only be open for two weeks. And that's because although, as Ellie mentioned, the content is completely self-paced and you can go back to it any time, we want to be able to focus our attention on supporting the new participants as they work through the content. 
which is the purpose of our private Facebook community, to facilitate com- facilitate conversations with us and the other participants as you process what you're learning and navigate ways to weave it into your family's lives. And we won't be opening enrollment again until the fall. So if you'd like to learn more, you'll find the links in the show notes. Or you can go to childhoodredefined.com and follow the link there. I'm really excited to connect with some of you inside. And before we go, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. And a big thanks to Vlad for increasing his pledge. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Alicia. Welcome, I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Alicia Gonzalez-Lopez. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Pam. I'm so happy to be here with you. Good morning. Oh, that's wonderful. Good morning, good morning. And I have seen Alicia, uh, Alicia online um, in Unschooling Circles for so many years, and I've really appreciated what I've read, and I've loved that, and I'm so happy that you agreed to come on the podcast today to talk more about your journey. I'm really excited to learn more about it. So Thank you. to get us started, um, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. So we're a family of four. It's my husband, Carlos, my darling daughter, Elisa Marie, she's 14 years old, and my baby, Emilio Antonio, he's 11 years old. Uh, we live in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. My husband and I, we were born in Mexico, different parts of Mexico. He's from the south, I'm from the north of Mexico. <laughs> we met here in the States. Oh, wow. We uh, got married here. We met online. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we are that type of generation already. And um, <laughs> and um, we had our kids here. Um, and we celebrate our 15th anniversary last November. Ooh. And we are happily living our own schooling life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And let's get into that a little bit. How did you actually discover sure. unschooling? And what did your your move to unschooling look like? Okay, so to answer the first part of that question, yeah. I discovered unschooling reading online, like could be the case for many, you know, people. Mm-hmm. And for the second part, I would like to go. <laughs> I would like to be um do a little preamble yeah. and go a little bit back to our the beginning of my parenting. Awesome. So awesome. when I was pregnant with my first baby, I never thought different, you know, to do a different thing than the traditional parenting that I was going to do in school and all the things. I was reading the mainstream, you know, pregnancy books. Um, but I, when I was until I had my baby in arms that I realized that I couldn't follow the mainstream advice. It was just, I was not ready to let her cry or to let or to put her sleep in another room or not to hold her when she was needing me it was just i was you know very difficult to be struggling with those things that the things that people were saying and the things that i was feeling that it was the right for me and my baby 
So my solution and my immediate like, instinct was to turn deaf to the world. I wasn't listening anybody, not even my parents' advice, no my extended family, thank goodness, is in another country. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not, not even the pediatricians. I mean, it didn't make sense to me, so I say no. But at the same time, I felt like I needed some guidance. You know, I couldn't do this on my own because it wasn't, it, I never saw nobody, you know, somebody else doing it. So I went to the wonderful world of online <laughs> and I discovered the parenting forums. They, and that time were forums, not groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yes. And they were, and the good thing is that I found them in my language, in my native language, in Spanish. So I felt really comfortable because at that time it was, I speak more, you know, my native language mm -hmm. than English. And I, I was so glad to find other moms doing the same thing. I felt like, okay, I'm not the only crazy one here. I can relax a little bit. I I was so I I was um learning. I was I'm I'm glad that they were not just voicing their opinions, but they were always backing up with information, always sharing resources and books and websites and things like that. So the more they shared, the more I read. And I spent all my sleepless nights with a baby in arms reading about it. Um it was until um I stayed there in those groups like a, for a few good years, I believe. And it was in the same, those groups that are at some point, uh, the schooling, the magical schooling topic was brought, you know, to yeah, one, of yeah, the yeah. That's one of the topics. And, you know, you are just checking online the posts and things like that. But at that point, I never felt like the need to read about it. Elisa might be already like three-ish years old at that point. And I was just enjoying my baby. I was happy playing with her, knowing her, knowing her a little bit more and reading too for myself and parenting and things like that. I was living the life because this was my dream since I was super young to be and become a mom. And it was here. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> living it. Yes. So, um, but I was curious and I started reading, you know, there was the first things that they come into that topic is what? Oh. I don't know, method that you're going to follow. Is it going to be Goldorf? Is it going to be uh, Emilio Regia? Is it going to be this one and that one? And like, mm. I was like, okay, I can read a little bit. And it actually was, they kept, you know, discussing the things. And one person brought the homeschooling word to the topic. Uh -huh. And she's my best friend <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. We kind of like, ooh, we even bond more in that moment. Um, so I say homeschooling, what is that? <laughs> I never heard of that thing. Never heard for there was I promise you, never knew what it was, never heard of the concept, much less meet somebody who was homeschooling or homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So I was curious, I kinda read a little bit and I didn't like it. I say, nope, I'm not gonna prepare I'm not gonna prepare lessons. I am not for B grading, I'm not for testing. And, and besides, I be, I, at that point, I already been creating such a sweet relationship with my daughter. I always was reading about how gentle parenting and how to be more kind with her and unconditional parenting. It was just like a, the book for me uh, from Amphicon. And so I say, no, I don't want to turn our relationship into the authoritarian, strict, you know, 
person who is going to make her seat and do the school work or, and you're not going to get up until you finish, you know, coloring this and that. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't looking forward to that because that was my reference for school. You know, that was yeah. the way the teachers, you know, did it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm, no, but at the same time, it was a little voice, voice here telling me, but this choice is going to make you keep your baby with you. <laughs> like, oh yeah. That's true. So that was the only motivation that I like, okay, I can give it a try. How hard it could be just, you know, show her the colors and the shapes, you know? Okay, so we can read a little bit more. But I I didn't stop, you know, there. So I kept reading and reading and I stumbled upon the word unschooling. It was like, hmm, it kind of sounds like homeschooling, but oh, well, you know, when I keep reading and... uh, I remember, I'm pretty sure at this point that it was one of the Sandra Dots, you know, pages mm-hmm. where I found the concept of radical unschooling. And I kept reading. And when I was, the more I read, I, the more I found out that uh, relationship was the priority. And it was like, sold. So <laughs> where can I sign? <laughs> this is me. And it was like a magical door that opened in front of me. I felt like glitter <laughs> falling here. This oh, is, I love this that. Is me. This is the <laughs> way I want to do it. I am so, I was fascinated. I couldn't stop reading. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to share this with my husband. And the, when I did, he was completely on board. He said, hey, let's do it. And I couldn't wait to tell my friend too, the one who brought uh, homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told her, you know what I found? This and you don't have to be mean to your kid and you don't have to and, and it includes you know the educational part too and she was like really and I said yes and we are doing it already look what we've been doing with our kids it's like and she was she always she always give me credit on the how she jumped into the radical and schooling you know she mentioned me like thank you so we um we start doing it. I never put um like a deadline, like how long we're going to do this or that. And we thought, well, well, maybe pre-K and kindergarten. Well, she kind of, but I'm, it's been 10 years. <laughs> it's been a whole decade since we started. And I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, this is our way of life. We adopted and we are really, really happy with it. Wow. Yeah. So that's, our, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. And it's not that, that unschooling came natural to us, but it was a transition um, from attachment parenting to unschooling that I, it was natural for us. We were doing some of the things that you do with unschooling. I was um, giving my daughter what made her happy. Uh, she was into certain characters. That she liked the like Elmo's as a mystery and all those things. And we always, we, you know, kind of, cover our whole apartment in Elmo's and things like that because if I made her smile yeah you know she was yeah. covered in Elmo's all the time she could see sensory characters <laughs> whenever she walked and um so we um we were already respecting her times we were um just uh, creating experiences for her looking for some things for her to enjoy so and while that happened um that we were just living life with her we were starting the schooling, you know, my husband and myself, we were starting the schoolings and reading more. So it was just like, it was a, a good, smooth, you know, path that we were walking together while we enjoyed our kid. And yep. Wow. <laughs> at that time, by the way, at that time, 
I was already reading more English. It was already, you know, three years after she was born. And I was so thankful to find all the generous people who were sharing their experiences um, on the non-schooling life in online. I remember reading, um, of course, Sandra Dodd, Pam Sirushian, Joyce Federal, you, <laughs> you know, I'm Larikia. <laughs> I was reading John Holt too, as mm-hmm. you know, as a support to understand how it works. But I always tend to learn, like, read more about the the regular schooling part because it covers more of the, all the aspects, you know, in your life. And and that's what, it, at the beginning, that's what it is. It's, you know, the kids are growing and they're developing a certain personality and things like that. So it's more that part than the academics. But yeah, we were doing, we're doing them good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I, how I enter. <laughs> yes. Oh, I thank you so much for diving deep into that. I loved hearing those, all those little details because I have talked before, you know, about how attachment parenting seems like it can flow right into unschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that wasn't my experience because it was years. My kids were, uh, my older two anyway, were in school before I <laughs> discovered the word homeschooling, <laughs> like you described right, exactly. as well, right? Um, but I just love that. And especially that, that your way in was the relationship was coming across the radical unschooling piece, seeing, seeing because for, uh-huh. so often, like for me, so I started with uh, the, you know, I want to replace school. When I discovered homeschooling was a thing, my kids were already in school. So my focus was replacing school. So I kind of uh-huh. came at it from the academic side and understanding uh-huh. unschooling from that and then discovered how important, integral, foundational, most important, the relationship piece was. Mm-hmm. Right, because the yes, and stuff melts away, right? But you came at right, it right. from the relationship first, and then, yeah. like you said, you yeah. and your husband were deschooling kind of the academic side and learning. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. we can continue to keep the relationship first mm-hmm. and not worry. Yeah, it didn't break way. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it didn't break at any point, and that that was my whole, you know, goal—not to just disrupt anything in, on in this uh, line. Yeah. And those ones, the other ones, we were sorting them out as, as the, you know, when she was growing up. And, and it's okay. I think it's a very valid point for everyone who comes from different, way, uh, you know, approaches, yeah. as long as you, you know, want to do it. Because many of the people who started, uh, you know, in those forums with attachment parenting, mm-hmm. they didn't homeschool or unschool. So it was different for them. They um, did what they did with their, with their babyhood, you know, times for their kids. And if academics was important for them, well, they just just, they just do kept, that. The thing yeah. is just like, exactly. It's like everybody has their priorities, and mine was the relationship, definitely. Yeah, that's spectacular. And I was thinking back, I guess, well, I did not find the, like, the AOL groups, because I'm, I'm thinking about parenting, because I felt mm-hmm. the same way you did. Um, you know, after my child was born, I started to – deviate from the more conventional advice because mm-hmm. I felt, you know, the relationship and the clues that he was giving me were important, right? Versus trying to get him to match. But mm-hmm. I didn't have like an online, this was 1992, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I did not, 
yet come across that. So like, I, I just kind of, like you said, shut out the world. It's like, okay, I don't really talk about this to my parents much right. or to my, my in-laws much because I know the advice they're going to get. And then I'm just going to be really obviously not doing what they suggest. Right. Exactly. So let's not even exactly. get the suggestions. <laughs> like, let's like, uh, just fly really low. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Better keep it safe, you know, for the yeah. family. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit more about that shift, that de-schooling shift in the parenting side, um, because for many parents, uh, one of the challenges is that as we're thinking about how we want to raise our children in this more, you know, connected and supportive and trusting manner, it's very different from the way we were brought up, right? Um, and that can be really hard to do a lot of that processing and that healing um, to to get to a place of, of comfort, you know what I mean? The juxtaposition, the difference between the way we were raised and the way we're, we're raising our children can bring up a lot of stuff from our own childhood. So I was just wondering if you might talk to that a little bit. Was that your experience? Yes, it was in, in some parts. And I'm glad that I, it happened again in the beginning of my mothering to my motherhood because it allowed me to just continue, um, you know, and doing it instead of just stopping by and, you know, having these little, these big gaps and things like that. So yeah. um, I always say that I, it's not fair to parent our kids from our fears. And it's just, it's, I yeah. think it's for me, like the, the flag that I just sail with, you know, all the time. And when I talk to other parents, when they're trying to bring up something and let's say like, well, stop right there and let me tell you this. So you can check you know, what you are mm -hmm. saying and thinking and things like that. So I think it's not fair, not for our kids and not for ourselves, uh, in order to have, um, give our kids a better life um, that we had, the life that they deserve, and also to have a good uh, parent-kid relationship for ourselves. If we didn't have that one when we were growing up as kids, well, it's time to kind of redeem that part. And now we're going to be the parents, but it still is the same you know, satisfaction and um, appreciation for the relationship once, you know, even though you are the parent now. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it is, is our responsibility as parents to be in a well state of mind and emotional health in order to do this job too. Um, at least for unschooling parents, I think um, you need to be really honest and humble doing this. Honest in the way that is, it is you, you have to accept that sometimes you are wrong and sometimes you're still in your schooling and traditional parenting mind that mm -hmm. you're acting from that part instead of doing, you know, the unschooling. Um, and, and you need to be humble to recognize your mistakes and ask for forgiveness to your own kids. That is just unthinkable of, you know, in the mainstream yeah. world, the traditional <laughs> parenting, that you say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I lose my, you know, my temper, or I made you did this when you didn't want to, things like that. I don't know. It's just like a very humbling experience to be doing that. I am amazed how this is transforming your own personal life when you are in that, you know, um, with, with that attitude, you know, towards your kids. So um, let me check my, my notes, if you don't mind. So um, when, when I was um, in, 
Oh, another thing is that it's okay to feel, um, I've seen many, and I always remember the, the groups that I had uh, when Elisa was little, and the ones that I have now that I joined to look for advice and keep learning and things like that. So a lot of parents feel bad when they do something and they go to the groups and say, oh, I don't think I did good. I think I hurt my kid this or I should do that. And the other parents try to choose them and tell them, no, 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 you're okay. Um, you, you, did, you did the best you could. And I don't think that's good. I think it's okay to feel guilty sometimes in order for you to get better. You know, you didn't, you to recognize that you didn't do your best so you can um, do better next time, uh, make a better choice and be more, more kind to your kid or towards your husband too. So it's okay to feel guilty. I don't think people should be running away from that feeling because it makes you feel better. You know, at the end, it makes you like, hey, so if this is not like feeling good, meaning that I can do other things. And so I think that's really important not to just... I would run away, you know, from that feeling. I really love that because that's so true. Um, if you, when something happens like that, when you're feeling bad about something, right, that's a clue that maybe the action that I took isn't mm-hmm. the one, you know, for the, the person or the parent that I want to be, that I'm trying, aspiring to be, right? Makes so it, it was just, you, you know, I didn't reach there. So not Mm -hmm. guilt as in, you know, to weigh you down and beat yourself up, but also not to ignore. Like if people say, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're such a good mom either, you know, Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, you're you're just kind of burying it. You're not going to learn more about yourself for the next time a similar situation comes up, right? So yeah, I love that, that, you know, you you can see where they're coming from because I think what they're trying to help you avoid is, you know, mm-hmm. feeling so bad about yourself that you, you know, shy away. But mm-hmm. there's a big difference. You know, you can still, you You're did right. your best in that moment in that you just mm-hmm. couldn't reach as far as you wanted to, that this mm-hmm. is as far as you could go. And, you know, yes, that's, that's reality. That's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right, but right. Right. and when we it, know better, we do better. Right to learn yes. from it, to take that time to say, okay, how did I find myself in that spot where that was the best I could do in that moment? Because mm-hmm. next time I'd like to do like maybe a little bit better, or maybe I'd like mm-hmm. to take that time to think of what might I do next time, what might my other yeah. options be. Because and if you just got so much more to choose from the next time you're there, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel right, that means it doesn't align, as you mentioned, yeah. it, with the part that you want to be. Yeah. So that means you can adjust and make changes and not just confirm that that's all I can do and shrug and shrug and shrug. Your yeah, and, like, and not grow. Like, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to change your life if you're just like, well, that's all I can do. That's all I can do. I can do. Like, mm, there's more. You can do more. There's so, always. Um, <laughs> exactly. So um, talking about that, um, the healing part and how yeah. we need to uh, change ourselves, I know it's not a popular op- opinion, <laughs> something that I said, and I've been like, even discussions about it with some of our friends, local friends here, yeah. but I firmly believe that our kids' happiness and joy is our job as parents. It's uh, like People a argue huge statement. <laughs> yes. They do. And I think, at least it's for me. And uh, 
um, I expect, at, you know, somehow to do this, to be a common thing for the unschooling parents. You know, I'm not going to go into the mainstream parents or school parents because that's another kind of world. But um, I think that when you believe this, you make things happen for, for your kids. And you take on the job and whatever it takes, just, just do it. And sometimes in order to do that job, to make them happy and give them a better life and, and you know, and sprinkle joy every moment in their lives, um, sometimes you have to revise your own childhood. And it's painful and, mm-hmm. it's, um, and it hurts. But I think at the end is um, the satisfaction and the benefit of going through that is bigger than the pain that you can feel while you're doing that, you know? Yeah. So sometimes it's disappointing mm-hmm. to, to realize, you know, things in, that happen in your life. But it's okay. In order to change them, you need to go and open them, open them up and see what is in this box and how we can put order in this one. Yeah. So you're going to say something? Yeah, no, I was going to say that's so true, you know, because because you're it's inevitable, I think, as we um, start unschooling our kids to start imagining, Mm -hmm. wow, what if I had grown up this way? What if I had grown up this way? Right. And then that then you start really questioning what happened. But and then we I think we can feel such a sense of loss that we didn't get to do that, you know, even if. Uh, you know, I felt it, even though my childhood wasn't, you know, hard, overly hard or, or anything like that. It was very, uh-huh. very typical, right? But right. I think one of the things I learned as I was de-schooling was that I can still embrace that now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. if I didn't get to do these other things as a kid... Because mm-hmm. I'm an adult now doesn't mean I can't have fun doing those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yes. giving kind of almost giving myself permission, that was part of the transition, part of the de-schooling, giving myself permission to do kid stuff. Right. Right. And, and believe that you deserve it too. Yeah. Yeah. Soon, eventually mm-hmm. you realize that this is totally okay because, you know, it's joy for everyone. Like exactly. It's joy. And then you realize it's joy for us too. And then it's our whole family living together, um, mm-hmm. pursuing joy. Like I, I kind of think of it as, you know, which kind of, with all the steps I could take from where I am in this moment towards the things that I'm interested in, which do I think would bring me the most joy, the most mm-hmm. fun, mm-hmm. you know, like <clears throat> even, you know, for longer term aspirations or whatever, just what's the one next little step. And then I'm going to take that mm-hmm. and see. And you know, for people who are like, oh, but, you know, life isn't fun, life isn't joy, you're just, you know, setting themselves up for later. Right. That's not the point. Of, you know, they learn the most when they're stepping in the direction they really want to go. Right? They right, right, right. learn the most about themselves. They're going to learn the most about whatever direction they mm-hmm. stepped in. You are helping them learn the most in that moment about everything. and that's, you know, what you'd love for them all their lives. Just taking that next step um, that's going right. to light them up and see what happens. And of course, and you are modeling going to work too. all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry. And you are modeling, you know, modeling yeah. to come, you know, to, to enjoy things, to enjoy life, to have things that, you know, being close to the things that makes you happy and that's okay. And it's okay. You know, even if you grow up, so 
that um, you are that part of you showing them how to be happy is what they're gonna you know learn you know and that's when and it's gonna stay in their minds forever like oh my parent used to be like that or my parent used to enjoy like that so it's really it's it's just it is great you know to be living this way in for them if and for our ourselves too so um talking about the how to touch those um hurtful experiences yeah. uh something that happened to me and they was um i think you know the best thing that could happen when my baby my first baby was born is like um parenting this way it was even though i wanted to do it and i was ready to do it because i wanted to be a mom um it was pretty demanding not in, not just in the physical way when you have a newborn but in yeah. the emotional way because you're she's on you all the time she's eating from you like a, your body is not your body anymore it's like a shared thing and you're dedicated you know mind and soul and body in into this baby so it was i was doing it but i i felt like it was exhausting me and the thing is i in the same forums that i used to belong they talk about um and some books about motherhood from an argentinian author she's a family therapist uh, her name is Laura Gutman, G-U-T-M-A-N, Gutman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she has like around like five to six books. Uh, I believe like a half of them or if not all the books are already translated in English. So um, when I, I got those books in order to understand what I was feeling and thinking about these, all the, not just the hormones and the, and the feelings and the new plants with this baby. And you have kind of live day by day. But at the same time, you're just thinking about, you know, yeah, the next yeah. day. You know, it's just like impossible not to think about that. And, and every way is sending you messages about, and when she reached this age, and when she reached this other age, and this is like, okay, okay, okay. So um, I was, when I was reading her, she said like, it's okay to feel, you're not crazy. It's okay to feel this way. Yeah. But if you are feeling like this is too demanding for you, it's because you don't have, like that, um, that part of you, your babyhood, it wasn't all fulfilled in the needs when you were that in that stage. So it's hard to give when you don't have anything to give from. Wow. It was a, like a void, an empty thing. So mm-hmm. even though I was enjoying my baby and I was, um, I had, my husband was uh, emotionally and physically containing me while I contained my baby, which is the right thing to do you know the husband contains the mother and the mother contains the baby mm-hmm. so the mother can fulfill all the baby needs without any help because she's already satisfied you know her needs are satisfied um it was still a lot and her recommendation was to just you know solve that resolve that situation and if you have your mother alive and your parents was even better you know than just to go to a therapist and imagine the mother there or you know if you don't have it in any other way so reading that and knowing that I this was like an obstacle in my life I embraced myself and like, like I take a deep breath and I call my mom my mom used to live here in the city um but you know I wasn't like a receiving a lot of visitors at that time so I call her and my, my parents always worked so I was kind of part-time raised by my grandmother, even though she was a very 
kind woman, she wasn't my mother. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was missing something, missing something. But you are young, you're little, and then you're young, and then you don't know nothing about it. And I couldn't pinpoint exactly what was just missing. Our relationship was the typical relationship, you know, with parents, you know, the school and things like that, but never like super close because she was busy, I was busy. And, you know, um, so um, I said, I have to do it. And I called her and I told her, I told her how much I, I realized how much I needed her when I was a baby. And now that I have my own baby, I know how much a baby needs her mother. And, and I told her, you weren't there. And of course, it, ca- it, ca- it could sound like a, um, I was being ungrateful. Yeah. But it wasn't the Alicia adult Alicia talking. It was the baby Alicia talking and saying, mm-hmm. I needed you, a baby. It, she tried to explain herself, of course, and tell me why she did it, why she went back to work after I was 30 days old and me with my grandmother in the mornings and, you know, and things like that. And yes, I said, yeah, but a baby doesn't care much for vacation in Disneyland over arms, you know, being holding arms. A baby doesn't care about new clothes over, you know, the closeness and the the sleeping part. It's just, and we cry, we cry a lot. Um, She ended up asking me for forgiveness. And I did, of course. And our relationship changed. We got closer. I was I was intellectually grateful for the things she did to me before that, but now I was honestly grateful for the sacrifice because not only me as a baby lost her mother, but she lost her baby. Yeah. She didn't have the privilege to raise me. Yeah. So I was I could see her as a mom now that I was a mom too. And it was very healing for me because I I don't I think if I wouldn't done this, I couldn't be raising my kids and just surrender to my kids need the, needs the way I did it because it was like something like I don't have enough love I don't have enough uh, attention I don't have enough to give them and now I can because it was like the baby in me was like it's okay Alicia you're fine you're loving so I, it was it was very intense wow. but it was necessary it was necessary to do that for me um, a lot of people doesn't confront their parents that way because um, many things, you know, many reasons. It could be uh, it's disrespectful, it's, it's supposed to, your religion is part of the, the commands, you know, <laughs> that you don't talk that way yeah, like to yeah. your parents. I was raised in a Catholic, you know, family, so I was the black sheep, you know, <laughs> doing all those things. But it was necessary. And I think, I'm firmly believed too, that uh, from that moment, my mom is starting to see me as an adult too, as an as an equal, mm-hmm. which is great because some parents never see their kids as an as an adult. They always are their kids, and they always think less of them, and they like don't validate what they're saying. And at that time, I think my mom put me in the same level as her, and she not only respected my parenting choices but my per- personal choices. So I have it was just all you know, all around a better relationship with her. Wow. That's spectacular, Alicia. Wow. (laughs) That's the courage courage to make that first call too, right? I mean, wow. Recognize. I think the first hurtful part is recognize you where they fail you. 
Yeah. They fail you. And it's okay to think of that. It's okay to say, well, maybe I didn't have that great childhood that I thought that I had. And uh, these people fail me and this one and this, even though they were doing, you know, the feeding part, they sending you to school and private schools and things like that. Still, they fail you in the emotional part. Yeah. And that's all part of understanding a child's emotional needs, right? Like you said, you know, this is something that you were discovering and feeling overwhelmed by yourself, right? By your child's mm-hmm. needs. Yes. And that's what mm-hmm. started you looking into it and, and discovering mm-hmm. that, that pattern. Right. That repeats. Exactly. That yes. Between generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's like, um, I want to add that when you are doing these, you know, resolving these things, you as an unschooling parent, it's very important not to bother your kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't stop life for them. They can still enjoy and keep keep giving them what they need because it's you the one that is doing the personal uh, work on yourself and they don't have to be bothered at all. They can you can still provide in that um environment. And of course the more you heal, the more peaceful, you know, you're gonna provide the, the environment is gonna be and the smoother things are gonna go for them too. I, and I found too, for me at least, um making sure that I'm spending the time and having fun and, and, and bringing that joyful peace, right. Mm -hmm. With them Mm -hmm. was also part of the healing because there was right Mm -hmm. in front of me, an example of what they need. Exactly. That engagement, that connection, you know, that it just, it kept bringing me back there and reminding me how important Mm -hmm. that was. So yeah, it was actually part of me kind of learning all about mm-hmm. and that. don't be so selfish not because you didn't have to is they're going to be missing that part too because mm-hmm. they didn't allow you to do these and so they're not yeah. have the right to like it's you know that's selfish and you need to recognize that mm-hmm. it's not it's not about you you need to well if it wasn't uh you weren't allowed well you're allowed now you're the parent you can yeah. do it with your <laughs> you can jump on the bed <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah and that's and like you said right. you know it wasn't about like um, blaming your mom or trying to, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was about sharing a revelation and, and, and an observation that was really true for you. And it was a fact. Yeah, exactly. It and and it's great it hurts. that she moved through the defensiveness mm-hmm. to, to think mm-hmm. about it. Like, like we were talking about before, right? When we're feeling guilty about something, you know, so when you talk to her, I imagine she was feeling guilty. And our first reaction to guilt is to feel defensive, like, right? Mm-hmm, of course, exactly. yep. you know, but yes. to take that on and say, okay, I'm not going to take that as a weight, but I'm going to take this as a clue of something mm-hmm. to dive into and learn more from and think more about yeah. and that your mom did that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that she, she kind of, it was moved to when I say, I try to put myself in other people's, you know, choose to. So when I told her, like, I know you wanted it to stay with me, but you weren't able because you needed to work in order to mm-hmm. you know, pay these things and that things. And maybe my dad wasn't that much responsible, you know, in that moment. And that's why you felt the need that in order to give us a better, you know, material life, you have to go back. And you thought it was the best. And I understand that part, but you know, so it kind of, it has to be like, not just, you know, one sided, just, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it has to be like passion. You did it with compassion, Mm -hmm. right? Because you understood her point of view too. It's like bringing a fact 
or an observation with compassion, not as an accusation. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you're right. I'm, I'm glad she didn't, she wasn't defensive at all. And she kind of let her down, go down and say like, yeah, that's right. You needed me. And I'm sorry I failed you. It's just like that, that happened because both parts, I think. Yeah we cooperate to make this happen. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Okay, so, so next, about this healing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just want to say that, I, yeah. that we just need to take advantage. You know, there's there so many ways that you can heal. There could mm-hmm. be books and self-help like I did. Yeah. And there are therapists out there. So there's not um, excuses. It's always a way to heal from these situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, try things out. And, and see how they go, right? You know, you, you can right. try some self-help books and, and if you're still feeling out of sorts around it, you know, like you said, there are different kinds of approaches. Exactly. And remember that schooling is not just not taking the kids to school. If it is building a good relationship with them, a healthy relationship with them and creating a, a, a nice environment for them, different from school. So it's not just that is part of our responsibilities as unschooling parents, you know, to heal ourselves yeah yeah no <laughs> I know can you imagine can you imagine trying to take that unhealed person and being that trying to live unschooling now it would be so hard wouldn't it yeah it is um the next question was about the most challenging area of de-schooling for you and how you work through it but what we were talking about there with that healing piece was that maybe what the most challenging bit was for you um no, because mm-hmm. I wasn't like into schooling, you know, in that, my, oh, <laughs> that yeah, moment. Oh, yeah, I guess not. You weren't right there. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah, she was a newborn. So <laughs> I think uh, it is, it, it's been not that many, maybe because I'm very positive, you know, towards yeah. unschooling and I see more greater things than um, difficulties or challenges. But um, it's, it's going to be always for me the emotional part, you know, mm-hmm. instead of the intellectual part. I think when the emotional part is resolved, the intellectual follows. And as you were saying, like uh, I didn't break my uh, relationship with my daughter and we were sorting out academics while she was growing up. And I think it's the same for this because um, I had a couple of examples that how emotional things are being like a, like a little bit of stopping me, you know, in the way and it affects my relationship, but I never stop unschooling life for my kids, you know, ever. I think it's just a very sacred if you want to call it you know part it's like untouchable it's in a it's in a nice you know wonderful display and it's happening and it's just moving and enjoying but and and other things are happening on the side and one of those it was always like um expectations you know towards your kids the first one was um when elisa was about elisa has a very strong personality like type a is very expressive very outgoing and she says what she likes and what she doesn't like. But at a certain age, you when they say they, what they don't like, it sounds really disrespectful. So yeah, I yeah. was receiving, like, what is this kid? And uh, But the thing is, we tend to forget that when we want these uh, beautiful, open, critical thinkers, it comes with a whole package, you know? <laughs> if they're going to say that, or yes. they're going to open up their minds, or they're going to say, mommy, you're wrong, <laughs> and I don't like that. Yeah. So it's like you cannot really select the pictures that from your kid. Like I like this, I like that, but I don't want him to do <laughs> yes. this and that. Like, how are you gonna do that? <laughs> so it was that part. Of course, I read about it, so it got sorted out. And another time, she was older. She wasn't behaving like very. Well, my kids are super sweet and kind and polite. 
with you know, with everybody. Um, a friend of mine on one of my um, Facebook posts not too long ago commented that to know them is to love them. And that's true because there's the sweetest, you know, things, inter- interesting things out there. Yeah. Um, so, but, and, and my kids always, you know, have a super polite things to ask for things. And, but it was just happening out there. At some point, it wasn't happening inside our mm-hmm. home. And she wasn't displaying any uh, gratefulness for the things we were doing or the life that she was having. And it kind of upset me. It's just in the, from in the very bad way. I start um, worried too, because I say, maybe I'm not guiding my daughter in the right way to how to behave, um, thinking, you know, uh, that it's my job to tell her how to, you know, and I was afraid for her too, because if she continues in this path, nobody's going to like her and she's going to end up alone, you know, the whole soap yeah, opera went fears. through my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, um, and I, I, I was just listening to some podcasts and reading and it was Sandra Dodd who shared a very similar situation with her oldest kid. Um, same thing, super sweet and kind and polite outside, nothing at home. Mm-hmm. And she shared that with her husband and just went to go like super fast. And um, kid's response was super wise. It's like, well, we are raising our kids to go out there in the world to stay with us the whole life. It's like, oh, I cry and cry because I think at that point I was kind of holding a, a grudge to her because mm-hmm. she wasn't being grateful. Yeah. And it was like, that's true. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, so, and, and I just, and, and it was just like a bump and it resolved yeah. and we continue life. But it's always like that. It's always like the expectations that holds you back. You know? and, um, and it's like the bumps that the schooling parts that you have to do. And with academics, I had uh, like a couple of things uh, too. But it's, um, it's always a matter of waiting and observing and things are gonna they're gonna show you it's like you're not paying attention enough to see the things happen (laughs) but they're there yeah (laughs) always there oh that's such a great point Alicia I love that because when I I found that myself when something seems off you know what I mean Mm -hmm. when when I'm starting to get uncomfortable about something that's in what I found like by the time I remember (laughs) That, okay, what's probably happened is I've disconnected a little bit with my kids, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I'm missing something. In, invariably, mm-hmm. I'm always missing something, right? Right. When I get to that spot. And like you said, it, it's it's the expectation. Maybe it's a, a new age that they've hit and it's mm-hmm. an expectation that I haven't really had to think about, right? Because, right. I, you know, maybe it's an oldest, maybe it's a... a your oldest child has hit a certain age or your daughter has hit a certain age, Mm -hmm. you know, just whatever your personal pockets are of things or, you know, Mm -hmm. a a behavior like you're talking about, you know, that something Mm -hmm. comes up like that. And what it means is we're missing a few pieces of the puzzle basically. Right. Right. This connection is, is a big thing in that one. Yeah. yeah. Connecting with them and you're missing. And yeah. you're like, oops. <laughs> I know. Here? I, I keep thinking, like, the first reaction is I have to fix something for them. You know, like you, like you were saying, I, you know, mm-hmm. what what can I do to fix her behavior? Because I don't want, and then the fears of the future all come up for right, us, right? Right? Mm-hmm. right? So that, at first, it's very common. And, you know, people not feel bad, but it we think we need to fix something in our children. So that's what we're first thinking about, Right. 
so often. Right, what do I need to fix? What yes. do I need to fix? But when you compare with them to, it's just, it's, you're just going to fail right there. If you're yeah. trying to compare them, even among siblings, it's not even, you have to compare them with other kids, like a school kids or anything like that. It's just like that. I remember that with Emilio, um, Elisa uh, made unschooling look so easy. And that's why it was just like, I, wish I, do this. I was not like a confident about me, about myself and the whole, you know, philosophy because she started to read at four years old in Spanish. Yeah. And by the time she turned five, she was reading in English. So she was a bilingual reading reader at five. <laughs> it was like amazing to us. What is this? It works. Wow, wow, wow. And with Emilio, but she has that, that personality that she shows, you know, what she knows. Yeah. And with Emilio being all the contrary, he's so shy and he doesn't like for people to see his mistakes and he has to be really sure before he does something. And so he was like, he didn't want to show that he knows how to read. Um, I'm, I was sure that he knew how to read at five, but he wasn't showing it. And I started to worry like, oh my gosh, Elisa was reading in two languages at this time, at this point. And like, oh, what is happening? But no, you know, it was a matter of a few months later that yeah. he, we were just doing like a Lego, whatever instructions. And he like, I know that word. And like, really? Yeah. And, and this one, that too. And like, like, it was like, okay. So I never went to the, like, are they going to be able to learn? Never. It was just like a flip. Okay. Don't close the <laughs> file. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. no. And, um, and, and that disconnection that happened to me, that is, uh, thank you for that word. Um, it happened to me two years ago with Elisa. She was 12. And I started wondering, oh, my God, she's going to enter her teen years. And she hasn't expressed what she wants to do for a living. At twelve years old, <laughs> okay, that was me. Yeah, and like really. I now that I think of it, like Alicia, twelve yeah. years old. Do you know what you need to do for a living at twelve? Yes, <laughs> of course not. I was barely finishing elementary, you know, because you know. But you get tunnel vision, don't you? When you start worrying about something, you don't see that bigger picture until until you notice and take that step back and sit with it for a while, right? Yes. Eat and talk. Yeah. Because even though she was 12, when I mentioned something, she already had to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, she kind of put like a mom, don't even go there because I have this like done. And no, no she no, she has plans. She's been having plans since she was 12 because <laughs> they're full time gamers. So they kind of want to go that route. And um, it, it, it kind of was helpful for me, not just to know and calm myself down, but uh, I start to uh, look for opportunities for her to, you know, make that happen for her now. So it was very useful in that way, too, that mm -hmm. I talk, I sat down. I think they were doing so well and so fine that sometimes we can, oh, I was too relaxed, but I wasn't a little bit disconnected with them. That could happen. Yeah. Happen. That's beautiful because that leads right into our, our next question. And, and that can happen, you know, kind of the ebb and flow of things. And for me, that connection is basically kind of what I use as, you know, the, just the, the little measure of, of how mm -hmm. things are, how things are flowing. And if I feel like we're flowing, right. getting a little bit disconnected, 
it's, it's like, okay, I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to the things that can be connecting or reconnecting, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. not like this is a big emergency that I need to sit down and talk or anything. It's like, oh, I need to make sure that I'm putting out those little connecting feelers, right. creating those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. I thought you could share maybe a little bit about what connecting looks like for you guys, because for some families, this is something new. It's not something they got a lot with, with their parents growing up. Right. I think I think um, connection and I love that topic and I think it's my favorite topic in unschooling. I think connection in our family looks in the like in the relationship. Um, there's so many. My kids are gamers, as I mentioned it, and we connect in that. We have that common common thing with them. We don't have to pretend that we like what they like because we honestly like what they like. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I game when I was young. My my husband too, um, and. And even though um, we can create many examples of how you connect, you know, in the unschooling or the schooling and the gaming, you know, world with them, like sharing things and things like, and, and stuff like that. But um, I think that the, the relationship that we've been building all these years and the, how they've been, we've been treating them and they, they give us that back. For me, that's when connection shows, you know, not just in the everyday life, but in situations that are um, decisive and important in, our, in, you know, for a family. Like we've been through uh, three difficult times in our life as a family. Mm-hmm. One of them being the financial crisis that we went through for two years. My husband mm-hmm. lost his job and couldn't find anything to, during those years. Yeah. And life was really, really hard. We have our, my parents here and they were supporting us economically. And um, some of our friends helped us even for holidays in one of those years. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, we've been very generous with our kids all the time. And I don't see um, the video games or books or toys or pencils or whatever they want, dolls, as an, an expense, but as an investment into their happiness. So um, doing that and sharing that all the time, when we were going through that situation and one of the times we went to the store, uh, they say, can we go to the toys and the electronics section? Yeah, of course. And they requested something and we weren't able to get it for them. And um, even though they, they never knew for sure what was happening because what was the good for them to know that we were counting pennies in order to go and buy food? It was nothing, you know, good for them. So we didn't hide it, but it wasn't a need, you know. I think it's an understanding. I don't want to scare them either. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. It's an understanding. Between my husband and myself, that we don't we don't disrupt you know their lives for things like that. You know mm-hmm. they it's, it's not that they're ignoring or they're living in a bubble, not at all. But it's like there's no need. How how we're gonna benefit? We're gonna get money if they ju- cha- mm-hmm. you know just try. No, yeah. we're not gonna get any more money. So they ask us, and I say I'm sorry, I cannot get it for you. And the most of the time, you you we get it right there in the moment. We get the stuff. And sometimes we have to wait a couple of days or hours and we will come back or things like that. But that day we didn't have a date to know them when they're going to get that toy or that game. So, and, and they were very understanding. They never got mad or they never cry or make a tantrum or anything like that. And they were really young. They were like eight and 11. And they, because they knew it was an honest, I'm sorry, I cannot get it. When we have money, if you still want it, we can come back and get it for you. And it was amazing. So for me, it showed me that how much they were like being supportive of that situation and did their part in this, you know, in order to happen. 
Mm-hmm. And another thing that they show me, like, uh, the, the most sweetest thing is last December, I got an emergency surgery because it was an emergency surgery. Not just a surgery that disrupts your life, yeah, you know, so yeah. abruptly. One is already scheduled. Yeah. Um, this one was an emergency and mm-hmm. I had to stay longer than a regular, you know, regular surgery it could take. I yeah. stayed a whole week in the hospital wow. and have family here. So we, I'm 24-7 with them and my husband goes to work and when he comes back, we just have family time, you know. But we don't, as I say, and before we started our recording, uh, we don't wake up until noon. Yeah, That's yeah. our time. And my husband works super early. So my kids, well, I was in the hospital dealing with all the medical things happening for me. Yeah. Uh, they had to go to work with my husband every day at five in the morning and my, for five days. And my husband told me that they never, ever complain. No one beat. Yeah. Even though they have to wake up early, sometimes being a little bit hungry because it wasn't much time to eat and wait for him all those long hours. They never complain. And that's for me, that's connection. They're showing me that we're family, we're here for each other, and we have their support, and we have their respect, and they care for us. And they want these things to, you know, work well, and that's how they're going to. So for me, that's just the, the max that you can show, yeah. you know, how connected it is in our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So again, it's a relationship. Yeah, well, and they're giving back what they've received in, in you know, bulk. All these years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. for, for those years, that is exactly what you've shown them. And that is, yeah. you know, that's their example, right? That's right. the model. And they know how good that has felt for them. And they're happy to respond in kind yeah. when situations come up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. A lot of, a lot of parents have me like when I uh they, they need to know and they need to suffer with you and I said like why doesn't it I'm the adult here I'm the responsible for this situation why are you gonna make them like go through something that is not even beneficial they're not gonna learn nothing good you know from suffering so for me yeah, it's you not, know, not an advice for for me what I found is it's really about what they need to know what they want to know mm-hmm. as in, you know, mm-hmm. if they have, if they, they can sense something's up, you know, right. and they can flow with it. And if they're curious and they want to learn more, they're going to ask questions and then you're going to yes. answer at their level. Like, you know, them and, and you mm-hmm. will know what they're searching for, but yeah, right. to, to pile things on that they're not asking for or needing, can right. needlessly bring fear into their lives when things are uncertain, right? Yes. So I, so, I still, yeah. I, you know, I still always use my kids as that barometer, right? Is uh-huh. it's not me? It's like, do I feel the need to release it? Well, then I'll release it to you know my spouse, my friends, whoever I need Bye. to talk to about it. But it's it's from their perspective. You know, yeah. if I notice that they're feeling uncomfortable and out of sorts, I'm going to give them more information, right? Right, right, right. Right, yeah. Well, they think that they're out of place because sometimes they don't know what you're going through. Yeah. And they, can, and they think they can, you can do certain things and maybe you're in pain. And that's when you say, you know what, I, you need to wait because right now I'm, I can mm-hmm. move. And so they understand. Yeah. So exactly. they didn't have that information, that's why they weren't acting that way. Not because they were like super inconsiderate. Yeah, but the other way was the need for me to tell them like, oh, you know, I yeah. just say like, give me a time, give me some moment, 
and I'll get to that and things like that. So yeah. I know that I want to be like a hero, but there's no need for me to be just, how you say, piling them up with a lot yeah. of stuff that they even need to. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean, the information you give them, they need to process somehow, right? So if you're piling on more than they're in a place that they need or want, You've just mm-hmm. given them more weight and stuff to deal with than they really know what to do with because that's not where they were, right? Yeah. That's right, right. Exactly. Great way. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, ooh, I do like this one too because you were talking about how different both your kids were or are, right? Um, just different personalities. And, you know, when right. you think I'm, I'm a parent now, I want to be a parent, you know, you have this vision of who you are as a parent. Right. And then you get different kinds of children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You, yes. <laughs> you find that you kind of need to be a different kind of parent or, or you do different things with different children. Right. So I just thought, you know, has that been your experience and, and how do you kind of figure out what it is that they need from you? Well, a very good friend of mine told me once that in order to be a good mother slash a fair mother, you're going to give all the kids the same thing that, you know, equally yeah. you're gonna give them what exactly what they need and that's true you know I think it's just what I, that's the best you know thing that you can listen from somebody in in order for you to know how to do it how to do this 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 thing um so um with Elisa it was really easy because she we have the same type of personality and she being the first I had all the time to play with her know her um and I was just focused on her so for me, it was just so easy to read her. She didn't even have to cry when she was a baby in order for me to know what she liked. If she didn't like, she was needing something. It, um, a lot of people, I think it was my husband's ex-boss, that we took the kids sometimes to work and they never hear them cry. And <laughs> both cases, you know, with, with, with when my kids were little. And yeah. his boss said, like, do your kids ever cry? He's <laughs> like, what is wrong? And these are the only kids that I that I know that never cry. <laughs> like for me, crying was the last, you know, you know, sure. sign that I wasn't paying attention, you know, yeah. to her. Yeah. So it was so easy for me to just keep giving her what she liked and just enjoying it. We were like a, walking together and learning together how to be mother and, and daughter. Yeah. And um and with them schooling because obviously she started first um at four. But um, with Emilio, it was a whole different world. I was so not prepared for this. He's, he has the personality of my husband. And I never met a sensitive person as much as he is. He's like, what is this? How do I do this? When he was a baby, of course, a baby's contained with arms and milk and, you know, go sleeping and things like that. But when he grew a little bit older and has to express him, I didn't know where his feelings coming from and why he thought of that. Like I never did something to make him feel this way and he's feeling this way. What I'm going to do until Carlos spoke up and he said, like, I know why he feel, he's feeling that way. And like, really? <laughs> because I cannot get this kid. It's like, so he was a little bit of my translator with Emilio. So to understand what, what he's coming from and think that he, the fears that he was expressing and why he wasn't hesitating so much on doing things. So it was hard for me. But, um, but even though I didn't have sometimes all the words, I was there for him, holding him and, um, and just making him feel safe and loved. But I, it was, it was, 
I think Emilia has been a challenge for me in that aspect because it's very different for me and and um I need help and thank goodness my husband um explained and it's been healing for him too. He's he's been told me this that it's very healing for him that he being that way and couldn't be raised this way, knowing that he can provide this for his kid. Oh. It was just beautiful. It was just like oh, I'm so glad because it's like I'm mothering my husband a little bit, yeah. but through my kid, you know. <laughs> so he feels really happy. He feels really happy for his kids that uh, that we are doing this life too. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's. I, I, I think it's just, yeah. Knowing the kids, I think it's just gonna it's gonna allow you to just to give them what they want. Getting involved in their lives is just what that's gonna is the key for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that and. That I think I, I love what what you said at the beginning too. That fairness isn't about equal, right? Yep. I think that that is just such a key piece to learn because from there you can start to recognize and embrace how individual your children are, right? And how right. completely different they are. So I think at the end, when you're connecting with them um, as the people that they are, they mm-hmm. all feel equally loved you know what I mean in the yes. end, which is kind of they all feel very much loved um, mm-hmm. even though you're doing completely maybe you're completely different, different. amounts of time with them uh, maybe mm-hmm. amounts of money with things that you're doing you know right. amounts of things that you're bringing you know just all those all those kinds of things and and it changes that's a really neat thing too it changes for each child over time as well doesn't it sometimes yes. they're looking for more Sometimes they're busily engaged in a lot of what they're doing themselves, you know, and just um, take, taking the pulse, right? And they, and they don't have, and then you, you don't create those, this rivalry, you know, between them because you're not giving them one, one feels that when you give it one more than the other one. So that helps you not to just make them feel that way. Like you're paying attention to us, do this one, but the, so everyone receives what they need and they're happy and satisfied at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I found that exactly too. And that's actually, I wrote a whole talk about that. It's called a family of individuals. And, and it's all about how, when we as a family try to ask, you know, we want family harmony, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not about um, insisting that siblings get along. It's about each of them, what they all need. So then they're not in competition. They don't feel in competition with each other. They don't feel in competition. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know what I would love to know? Um, This is our last question too. I'm excited. What has surprised you most about your unschooling journey so far? But I think it's going to be my motherly self talking here. And it's going to be the, not just the relationship that I have with my kids that I missed when I was, you know, with my parents, but the relationship they have between them. They, I, I have one brother too. We are the same different age as, as my kids are. Oh, yeah. And I was never friends with my brother. We, he went to one grade, of course, and I went to other grade and we had our friends on each own. And, uh, we right now as adults, we made the effort to have a relationship, but it wasn't um, something, you know, that it started when we were young. And mm-hmm. this is thanks to unschooling. My kids are growing together. Um, they're being treating what, with what they need and with respect and love. And they treat each other that way. So for me, 
I kind of leave this world like in peace, knowing that they have each other's back, that they, because you kind of feel alone, even you can have siblings, you kind of feel alone, alone if you don't have that relationship with them. When your parents leave, if you had a relationship with them, uh, your kind of connection get lost. And yeah. that family thing is just, so for me is that, and um, they love each other, they protect each other. They never, uh, they cannot be agreeing in, in a few things, but they're never um, fight. No mm-hmm. physically, no causing, they don't wish ill, you know, to them. So it's like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that. And I asked this same question to my husband when yeah. I was uh, reading your questions. Yeah. Um, he said that he is amazed to see them learning and growing in every stage of their lives because we didn't know anything about this. And we didn't plan for this. So <laughs> everything is a surprise in every stage. <laughs> Since we didn't plan, this is like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. They're going to be trilinguals at some point. Oh, my gosh. How? You know, even if you were a school parent and you want them to be doing certain things, you wouldn't imagine the way they are following their passions. It's just, so he's like, ah, he lives in an awe all the time. And I do, too. But I, um, since I'm more emotional, I go towards, you know, <laughs> the emotional part. He's more intellectual. He's <laughs> like, he gets surprised by the things he, they learn. And when we sit down and watch a show together, the interactions that we have and the ideas that they share and their opinions, they're so well taught. They're so honest. They're so like here in earth and, you know, their values, they're honorable people. And it's like, they're honorable at 14? how can that be possible they're more honorable than many people that we can see out there so that is what amazes us it's just it's been fun it's been great it's been everything is amazing everything's amazing and satisfying wow yeah oh that's spectacular i love that and that is one of the coolest things is that you know like you said if we had sat down and planned you know um how we, the, the kind of children we would like to have, like as you were saying, honorable and, and you know, knowledgeable and all this kind of stuff. And we, we could never have planned out a life as amazing as is unfolding, right? And, and I think we didn't enter this schooling life with the wrong expectations or looking for certain results, like say, um, I want to do unschooling because I want my kids to be more smart. So when you're entering like that, you're expecting them to do just doing this and that and that and that and, that and accomplishing this and that and that. Yeah. We didn't enter that way. So what is that is is happening in front of our eyes is just amazing. It's just like an act of magic all the time <laughs> happening here and there. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Alicia. It was a wonderful oh, conversation. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I so appreciate that you took the time to do this. And before we go, where is a place um, for people to connect with you online? Well, you connect with me on Facebook. Um, I have um, a radical schooling group uh, there. It's called Radical Schooling in Español. So oh. it's an old Spanish group. And also inspired by you, uh, uh, <laughs> me and my two best friends, um, we um, opened up, uh, we created a podcast in, in Spanish too. It's called Voces del Radical Schooling. 
So his voice is sort of right wow. school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't have that many episodes because it's hard to coordinate three houses. We yeah, have people yeah. in the similar ages and everybody's busy doing things. But we're ready to do more this year. So um, oh, you can connect with me there and I leave some links with you if people want yep. to join to oh. recommend somebody in Spanish or you want to learn Spanish. Hey, <laughs> that's spectacular. Yes, we will put all those links in the show notes. And thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Happy and Schooling Life, Pam. Yes. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. Deschooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.